2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're there, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning? 2 Timothy chapter 1, begin reading with verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, now I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as a prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Who hath saved us. Anybody saved this morning? Yeah. He has saved us and called us with His holy calling. Not according to our works. But according to His own purpose and grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Turn to your neighbor and say, stir it up. Heavenly Father, bless your people this morning. Anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us today. May we leave here in change, having received your impartation, your revelation, your endowment of power to represent you better. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love this passage of Scripture. It's actually one that we have been reciting there in, in a, a later verse of verse 7. For God has not given us the Spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But I actually want to dwell this morning on the preceding verse to that, to verse 7. And that is verse 6. Therefore, I remind you of, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. I want to read you this passage of Scripture in the NIV. And I understand that in this region, some people believe that uh, the King James Version is the truest and onlyest version that there is. While I highly regard that, I also hate to offend you in your faith that he is not the smartest man that ever walked earth. He is man and he got the best scholars he could find. In fact, he wasn't always a fully a believer of himself. But he did get the derivative. And uh, I promise you, the Apostle Paul and Peter and Mark, Luke and John didn't read the King James. I, I know that hurts many people's feelings, but, but that's actually not true. So let me just give you a, a modern translation taken from King James Version. 
that the NIV, New Living Translation, the New American Standard, the Berean Bible, others go back to this same origin that is listed and called in King James to stir up. Other versions use a more literal translation because the definition of that word there in the Second Timothy, there in the Greek, to stir up, here's its definition. Yes, even in King James, it's the same word. To stir up or to kindle up, to inflame one's mind, strength, and zeal. Amen. This phrase, to stir up, <coughs> means to kindle up, to inflame one's mind, strength, and zeal. Amen. Come on. Now, I'm going to wait on the rest of you. Come wake on. up. Amen. This definition of to stir up in the original King James Version, the definition of those words to stir up means to enkindle, and it means to inflame one's mind and its strength and its zeal. Amen. That means when my mind is right, I have strength to do what I'm called to do. Amen. And it's with that strength as I exercise my faith, I begin to see that my passion and my zeal and my mind being placed on Christ produces God-sized miracles and works in my life. I'll use the illustration given earlier in our service. When someone received a bountiful blessing of $1,000 after declaring this, after making and renewing this commitment to tithing, but not only the 10%, that God, when I get to your house, I will ask you what you desire of me. And whatever amount you desire of me is what I will give. Now, everybody loves the reward of the 30, 60, 100 fold. But folks, the, the, the crucible of that fact is that we have to obey the spirit of the living Lord. Because we will not impress God with our wealth or riches, but we will, we will move the heart of God by our faith and obedience to his word and instruction. That's what moves the heart of God. This word to stir up, this phrase given to us in the King James, the NIV, and, and a host of others interpret in the more literal uh, Greek tense. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame. The gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but it gives us power. Amen. And it gives us love. And it gives us self-discipline. Stir up the gifts. Fan the flame. Fan the flame of God in you. Be reminded that we're to be passionate about the Word of God. The promises of God that are yes and amen over our life. We're to fan the flame. I've met some mighty cold Christians in my day. Hadn't been fanned in a long time. At least not the flame. Scripture tells us, Paul says, Timothy, I recognize there's something within you. But lest you grow weary in well-doing, I want you to remember what God's done in your life. And if you fail to see what God's done in your life, let me take you back just a little bit. You see, Timothy, I just hadn't known you, but I knew your grandmama. I knew your grandmama Lois. And I remember her coming to church and shouting and praying and trusting God and going to the tabernacle and bringing her sacrifices of worship. And old sister Lois, she was a good saint of God. She was a great mother in the church. And I promise you, what she's prayed and invested and poured into you, God has honored and He blessed you. Not only did He bless you, but first He had to bless her daughter, that's your mama, in Eunice. So listen, Timothy, this thing didn't get to you 
by happenstance. God's been laying up blessings and treasures and promise for you for a long time. There's people that have prayed good things into your life. Your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice have fanned the flame. They've blazed the trail. They've done the work of the Lord. You can't let this thing die in you. God has good things for you. And if He did it for those generation, He wants to do it in your generation. you got to tear the flame of the Spirit of the Lord. In verse, the preceding verse says, uh, uh, the pro proceeding verse says, listen, the spirit that God gave us did not cause us to become timid. I believe that we have a sweeping epidemic that's far greater and a far more detrimental to humanity than COVID-19. Wow. And it's called timidity in the pulpit of the house of God. Amen. We've got preachers afraid to call sin, sin. We can't even read the Bible. We have to give you the nice pretty version so you'll come back. Come on. Come on. The timidity in the pulpit is what's a disgrace in our American churches. We have gotten afraid of offending someone. Every time I read my Bible, my flesh is offended. Because I see the frailty of my humanity. And I don't always view myself as righteous. Because what the Lord doesn't remember against me, my adversary does. And he reminds me of my faults. He reminds me of my mistakes. He reminds me of my failures. He reminds me of my mishaps. He reminds me of the things that I wanted to do, but I didn't get done. He reminds me of me. He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to remind me. He wants to restrict me and throw water on my flame. But oh, the word of God says that we're to fan the flame and to be reminded that God is for us. And the spirit he has given us is not for us to he said, I'm giving you the spirit of power and of love in the same mind. I wish to God, but to God, that we as the body of Christ will be reminded that we have the power of Almighty God with us. When the devil assails and the storms are torn, I'm reminded that the anchor holds this morning. He's still steadfast. He's still stable. He's the rock of ages. Nothing moves him. Nothing shakes him of earth. For he is God of it all. And he is King of kings. Lord of lords. He's my Alpha and Omega. My beginning. He's my ending. Everything that I have is in him. I have no reason to see it. This power is not of our own power, but it's rather this power that stirs up within us. It's fanning the flame of the embers within us. It's kindling up the fire of the promises of God in our life. This to stir up means to kindle up. This word, the gift, is charisma. Charisma. And it's there talking about the remains of a fire or embers. It's talking about the favor which one receives without merit of his own. How many know that's exactly who and what we are? We're saved by grace, not by our works, let's see man should boast. God, God can only save me by grace, not my righteousness, not my good works, and not by doing good, or not by coming to an altar and getting a good case of the do betters. I'm saved by grace and by grace alone. If it weren't for God's grace, I could never be saved. But thank God for grace. Thank God that he went to the old rugged cross, died, and was buried, and now is risen again. And he's ascended at the, by the right hand of the Father, forever making intercession for me and for you. I have a power. I have a source. I have a connection. I have a link. I have a go-to. I have a 
have a bedrock that is my foundation for everything in my life. And it is through Jesus Christ. And he is the gift that is to me. It's the unmerited favor of the living God. It's the gift of divine grace. It's the gift of faith, knowledge, holiness, and virtue. You realize that the economy of divine grace is by which the pardon of sin and the eternal salvation is appointed to sinners in consideration of the merits that Christ laid hold of by faith. Christ or gifts denoting extraordinary powers, distinguishing certain Christians and enabling them to serve the church of Christ, the reception of which is due to the power of a divine grace operating on their souls in the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember the book of Acts? And after the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one mind and one accord. And, and they came and there was cloven tongues of, of fire set down upon each of them. I'm glad he didn't just say the front three rows. Come on. Come on. But everybody got it. Amen. It's the one time we know in the Bible the church was in agreement. Yeah. But he told the one twenty go, wait and tarry. And they waited and they tarried until the gift finally came. Folks, God doesn't operate on our timetable. He works on the timetable of heaven. And when you and I get in proper alignment, his blessings will flow. Amen. Without proper alignment, blessings are restricted. It got real quiet right there. I don't know why. Favor, which which one receives any merit? God will empower you. Remember on that day of Pentecost when they went out and Peter preached his first sermon? They had preached before. They had gone to towns and cities and villages and communities and townships before. They had been doing the work of the Lord. Oh, but something happened after the day of Pentecost. Now when Peter preached, 3,000 people get saved. Without a microphone. That had to be the Holy Ghost. I mean, I don't care what label you want to put on yourself. That had to be a supernatural Act of God. You preach one sermon and 3,000 people get saved. Powerful acts. Miraculous acts. Folks, miracles are still available. Christians aren't available. God's still God. The acts and the empowerment to lay on hands and see miracles performed is still available. The problem is in heaven. The problem is earth. It's still available. I want to see a move of God in my last days. I want my kids to grow up from seeing a move of God. I want them to get into a service like we did today. And everything else is secondary to the moving of His Spirit. When you know God's calling your name. When you know He's used a song. Or He's used a word. He's used a friendly smile. He's used a prayer. He's used something in the middle of that service. To let you know that beyond anybody else in the room. You know God met you. His Spirit was talking to your spirit. And He lets you know that everything's going to be alright. I want my children to grow up in that kind of movement. Fires that need to be rekindled. Let me let me just mention just a few before we go this morning. There's some fires that need to be kindled and rekindled in the house of God, and some some, some flames that need to be fanned. The first one I want to talk about is doctrine. The modern world says that there are no absolutes; that everything is unique to the individual. Everything is relative. My version of the truth really is the truth, even though it doesn't match your version of the truth. If you talk, thank you. It is. If you talk to anybody outside of Carter County, 
It's, a, it's an epidemic out there, I promise you. From, you go to an urban, you go to an Oxford, you go to a national, go to Memphis, go to a larger city, and you will go to Johnson City. I can take you down Market Street, and you will see some freaky stuff. That doesn't, I mean, just blocks away. Less than 10 minutes from here. And I can show you what portions of the pit of hell look like. I can show you. Just give me 30 minutes. There and that. It won't take long. Why? Because this world has lost its compass. My, the old generation say they have lost their ever-loving mind. You know what they've lost? They've lost doctrine. You know what the church has lost? Doctrine. We've come along and we wanted a kid giving our, our kids better than we ever had it. You know now what we're raising three and four generations now later since the, the great depression of the 1940s? We're raising a bunch of heathen reprobates. They have no regard for humanity, no regard for human life, no regard for the mother and the father in the home, no, no regard for the one who pays the bills, provides for them, takes care of them, and now we're letting culture teach them that they can question and the respect to regard any and everyone over them in humanity but alone in the kingdom of God and they respect nothing and they respect no one and they even have no self-respect. Often times they don't even want to bathe or clean or dress themselves or clothe themselves appropriately just because they just want to be you. There is no absolute truth. Folks, we as the church needs to get a grip and we need to go back to the basics of this thing and that he is the only one in absolute truth and outside everything the word of God is true and it has and will continue to stand the test of time. The word of God says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will remain. If our living doesn't line up to the word, it's still sin in the eyes of God. If you can put any kind of label, you can put any kind of demographic or case study on it you want to. I promise you, when you go before the judgment seat of God, none of that stuff will matter. Well, I, that's not a sin to me because I was a Republican. Well, that wasn't a sin to me because I was a Democrat. Well, that's not a sin to me because I was transgender and I didn't know what I was. I didn't know this. And I, folks, it's not going to matter when it all comes down to it. You're going to stand before a holy, righteous God one day, just like I will. And and we will give an account for how we live this life. And oh God, help us to fan the flame of righteousness and true doctrine in the house of God. If we knew as much in this world and as parents as we thought we did, we'd be reminding our children who they are and not letting the world tell them who they are and what they're not. If they were born a male, they'll always be a male. If they're born a female, they'll always be a female. Homosexuality, lesbianism is a sin and it's an abomination in the sight of God. Notice this, there is grace for your sin. Just like there is for mine. Just because that's your spiritual struggle, I'm not putting a label on you and branding you. Because so is lying a sin. So is cheating a sin. Shows gossiping against your brother and sister a sin. Come on. We can go on and on and on and on and on and on. Where we have lost our compass as we have allowed our opinion to be elevated above God's righteousness and his commands. We've lost it. We need to fan the flame of good doctrine. There's but one truth 
It's the word of God. Churches, you need to empower your pastors not only to allow them to preach the word, but know the word of God enough yourself to require him or her to preach the word of God. going to fan this flame, we need to have a revival and a renewal and fan the flame of service to God. Yes. I said we need to have a fanning the flame of service to God. Yes. Romans says, I can see you for brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God which is your reasonable service. You want to feel connected to a church? Jump in and serve. Yes. You want to feel disconnected to the church? Come 10 minutes late and leave 10 minutes early and feel disconnected and wonder why you're mad at the preacher because he didn't shake your hand. Ouch on me. You're in a church today. You can hide out if you want to, but I'm not looking for more hideouts. We got enough cave dwellers in the kingdom of God. We need some people to fan the flame of service. Why? Because you like the preacher. Absolutely not. Has nothing to do with it. It's because you're in love with the one who loves your soul. Who redeems you and saved you and forgave you and pardoned you. And gave you a new opportunity to live in eternity in heaven. That's your reasonable service. We need to fan the flame. Mark, can you help me? You ready? We need to fan the flame of service. Why do ministry people have to beg people to sing? Beg people to teach. Beg people to help the kids. I'm letting it roll a day, Jack. We ain't editing this out either. I hope all of you. Why is it in the kingdom of God in a, in a room full of Christians? We got to beg people to open the door for somebody. We got to worry about, is somebody going to help our seniors in? Can somebody care for our children? Can somebody teach a class? Can somebody spread the word of God? Can somebody host something in the nursery? Can somebody love on a baby so a mama and daddy who are desperate to hear a word from God, they can be safe enough in their own self and say, absolutely, you bring that baby to me. I'm a lowest. I'm a unit. I've had my day. But oh, let me love on your baby. We're not doing anything else for God. Well, bless the Lord. That's good preaching. You ought to feel ashamed if you don't do nothing for the kingdom of God all week long. But we're consumed with the thermostat of the room when we get there. Well, if you're that concerned, if it's too hot or too cold, why don't you volunteer to show up the hour before service and be the one to open up and make sure it's working? Hallelujah. I don't answer to your problem. Hallelujah. Flow in your gift. Do your thing. Maybe the Lord has you hypersensitive to that because of... Oh, all right. Sounds good. Maybe he has you sensitive because he's been trying to get you to do something for him. Take something off the preacher. He got real quiet right there, didn't he? It's all right. We got to fan some flames. We got to fan some flames. That hot? Woo, that is hot. Hang on, you, you okay right now? All right. We gonna do what now? Oh, I'm gonna carry that fire around in a minute. I'm gonna need that glove back. We got we got to fan the flame. Let me get a couple more. You ready? You stay right there. We need to fan the flame of worship. We need to 
Good work. Come on. Now, which bucket you going to be? Everybody's one of them. It's, it's heaven or hell. You're either on fire for God or you're cold for God. Where God also said, tells us, he said, in Hebrews, he said, I would that you be hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth.